Well, I am, as I said, honored very much to introduce uh, this gentleman. Pastor Keith Tusi is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, unfortunately, he is a Steelers fan. No, I like Steelers. How many, how many, any Steelers fans in the house? There we go. We got some in the house. You're, you're kind of supported here today. Can I get a roll tide from anybody? That's what I thought. Any War Eagle in the house? I knew John Wesley was here. I had to do that. He's, he's, when Ian's not around, he's my favorite son-in-law. I love them both, actually. Pastor Keith Tucci is from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I introduced him yesterday at the Grow Conference, and, and I just love his introduction because his story is so amazing. He has been arrested over 50 times on four continents for preaching the gospel. He's planted seven churches. He leads NRP. He is the head of NRP, which is the network that we are a part of here at Liberty Church. He provides daily direction, insight, and instruction to over 50 churches and literally continues to be a voice of truth in our world. Amen? And so why don't you stand to your feet? Let's give him a great big Arab Alabama welcome this morning. Pastor Keith Tusi, we love you, sir. Rather be here than in jail. Hallelujah. That's quite an introduction when people say things. You never know. You know, no one left, I guess, so we're good. Hallelujah. It was for righteousness. At least on my part, they weren't always acting righteous, but anyway. <laughs> hey, we got a little slide up there. Uh, there's a number you can text to if you want to get information about NRP and what we're doing. Uh, but I do want to do two quick commercials. Number one, you got youth camp. You just saw a commercial for your church that is sending your young people to that youth camp. This is a chance for you to invest in the next generation. If you're not going to that fundraiser, just send them a check. Help somebody. Reach out to, listen to me, reach out to, think of a family you know that's like, man, if I could get one of those kids there. These are, listen, I'm telling you what, these are not play camps. These are Holy Spirit, you're not leaving here until God gets a hold of you. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm telling you, the testimonies we get from these camps is powerful. And so your leadership is making, join all in. Let's be a real family. Get everybody you can. Think of somebody that needs to be at that camp. And then for the guys, you know, we are doing, we're splitting Bob this year. We're doing one in the north, one in the south. So it's right in the New Orleans area of Louisiana. Guys, we got 24 workshops, seven main sessions. Your pastor is going to be ministering there. Several other men from your church are going to be ministering there. So this is like a blowout time. You know what I used to tell the, the, the ladies in our church when Bob came when I was the pastor? No loving and no cooking if you don't go, okay? So you just might as well go. Just, just tell them right ahead. You got to go. You got to go to the Bob conference. Are you with me? So I'm just telling you, get there. Do it. It's worth taking a day off work. You, it, it, to get together and hang out with the men of God. We've got some other things. We've got the 1090 initiative. We're trying to connect businessmen. If you're a businessman, you want to get connected to other kingdom businessmen who understand ministry marketplace. I do a podcast every week. It drops every Monday morning. It's about a 12-minute deal. We do two newsletters now. We do a regular, like, up-to-date stuff, and then we're doing a missions newsletter, too. Uh, every, so there's a lot of kingdom stuff going on that your church is all a part of. Okay, and your pastor is actually part of our national leadership team. 
and he helps other pastors. So uh, it's great to be connected. It's great to be back with you. I haven't been here in a little while, but uh, Pastor Keith made me work real hard this weekend, so we're, we, made up, uh, we made up for lost time. Amen? And so I'm going to, as he said, we're going to scoot out the door and get down to Holly Pond. I'm real excited. I've never been there, so I'm excited to be there. But let's go to the Word of God this morning. Amen. And we thank you for impartation this morning in the Word, Lord. Thank you for giving me the, the tongue of the learned and for our hearts being open to receive the engrafted Word in Jesus' name. So I want to talk to you about opposition and opportunity this morning, okay? So let's read from 1 Corinthians 16. I'm going to read the first nine verses. I'm reading from the New American Standard Translation. Uh, now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you may approve, I will send them with letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem. And it is fitting for me to go also, they will go with me. But I come to you after I go through Macedonia, for I am going through Macedonia. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I may go. For I do not wish to see you now just in passing, for I hope to remain with you for some time if the Lord permits. But I will remain in Ephesus until Pentecost. For a wide door for effective service has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. So I want to talk to you this morning about how the Apostle Paul determined what a wide and effective door was. Okay? And it may be a little different than we traditionally think, but since he brought it up, I want to find out what he means by that very thing. And I will just tell you this, that opportunities and opposition come packed together. That, that is the course of life. It is the course of ministry. But let's take a look at this text. What's he talking about? So he's sending a letter out to all the churches, and he's saying, look, we got a church in Jerusalem that's in a little bit of trouble. They're, they're, in, they're in financial despair. They've had a famine. They're getting some persecution. They need our financial support. And what a lot of people don't understand is that's part of apostolic ministry. That's part of what I do. I connect people to resources. The Apostle, the Apostle Paul is connecting people to resources. So all the, all the churches are receiving an offering, and he's saying, look, uh, when I get there, have the offering ready. Don't be running home, getting your money and saying we weren't prepared, you know, and, and doing all this stuff. He said, just get ready. He says, because we're going to send some Holy Ghost bag people to carry the money to the next location. Uh, there's, a, there's a story here I want to tell you about this. So it says there, let every man lay aside as he will prosper, you know. So one day when I was pastoring, uh, the bookkeeper came to me and said, I, I want to show you something. He said, I, we keep getting this check from this lady and it has prophetic tithe written on it. And, I, and it, was, it was a generous amount. And so, you know, I'm a learner, so I, I pulled this lady aside. I said, can I ask you a question? She said, so what is this prophetic tithe stuff? I, I, you need to teach me about this. I, I never heard about this. She said, oh, you know, she quoted that verse. She said, although this has nothing to do with the tithe here, she said, uh, it says, as he may prosper. She said, I'm just planning on prospering, so I'm getting ahead of it. <laughs> 
I thought, man, can you lay hands on me and give me some of that? Amen. I love people like that. Amen. She was planting a business and was believing God for what he was going to do and was putting out there what she believed her revenue was going to be. I mean, that's faith. Amen. I just thought I'd throw that in there at no extra charge. So the Apostle Paul's saying all this. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, Pastor Keith, don't worship. That, you know, this church, by the way, has sown into other churches all the time. But we got to sow into you guys once. Remember the van deal? There was a van deal. You guys needed a van, and some other church said, hey, we, they, they're doing such a, let's, can we please give you some money to help you with that van? They wanted to get in on it. So we, we, we do things like that together. We do missions work like that together. You know, at the Band of Brothers Conference, the last three years, we've taken an offering. We've taken three offerings. You know what the total of those offerings were for missions? Just a few dollars short of $100,000 in three offerings. I'm not talking about pledges. I'm talking about checks that were written, and every single penny went to the mission field. As a matter of fact, those che- when I left the conference last year, I, I, I said to the, I had the bookkeeper, I said, I want the checks written now. They're getting, we, well, actually, weren't checks. Some of them were electronic transfers, uh, to be fair. But we don't take one penny for overhead, not one cent from every dollar that we collected went exactly into the mission. And that was just men that were there that had a heart to give because the tribe, that's what we do. Amen? Amen. The theme art this year for our, our conference is possess the land. That's what we plan on doing. Amen? So this is a scenario that is going on here. Now, the Apostle Paul says, listen, I'm in Ephesus, and there's a great and effectual door open for me, and I, I want to talk to you about that. But I, I think there's a, a, a real couple things we got to understand. Just because you've been thrown a curveball in your life, anybody here get a curveball? Okay. Got a curve. I get some curveballs in my life. There are some things that have happened in our life that I would have never written a script on. Some things that haven't been pleasant, but I can also tell you that Jesus is a redeemer looking for a place to happen, okay? And he will take the curveballs, he will take the hard spots in your life if you respond and see some of that opposition, see some of that hardship as an opportunity. You know, the Apostle Paul from his jail cell writing to his son Timothy in the faith as he's about to be executed. Now, this is a man that's about to die for his faith. He's writing a letter, and he says to his son, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So we should not be surprised by hardship, okay? Hardship is not necessarily a bad thing. Hardship can bring some of the the best things out of us when we rely on the Holy Spirit. And listen, when you're pursuing God, there will be hard times because not everybody is going along with you. Not everything is going along with you. And uh, we've got to have an understanding of that. You know, and, and the second thing is sometimes we look at people's lives and we kind of spiritually romanticize them. When we look at Pastor Keith and Kelly, what, what a great, aren't you glad to have a couple like this that really loves you and has really committed to you? Honestly. I mean, I can tell you, because we talk fairly often, and, uh, you know, when he talks about, the, he talks about loving people, and this person's doing that, and this, and this is why we're believing, you know, th- that's a great thing, amen? So there's somebody uh, that, really, that really believes in you and that is standing for you. And sometimes you can look at somebody like that and think, well, you know, they, they, haven't, they haven't gone through what I've gone through. You might be surprised. 
Okay, you might be surprised that they got the same flesh hanging on their bones as you got hanging on your bones. Amen. They they face the same same emotional struggles. They face the same conflicts, the same temptation, the same struggle. You know what I mean? We are all the same, and so is Jesus. And I'm going to tell you the reason I preach with such passion and intensity is because I believe what God has done for me, He'll do for anybody. Okay, uh, are you with me? I mean, the qualifier is the cross, not you. You've always got to remember that. So when I read these writings, I'm saying, listen, we got to understand something here. That when we look at people who we maybe admire or esteem or maybe even are, you know, jealous of, that we got to understand, listen, if maybe we'll be willing to follow the same route they got, they did to get there, maybe we can get where we need to go. Not their place, but our place. I remember when I was a young pastor, I had this very successful businessman in church. His name was John, and I stopped by his business one day, and uh, he called me in the back. He was an Italian guy, very expressive, you know, and he's, he's saying to me, Keith, what's the matter with these people? And I'm like, John, what people? He said, these Christian people. <laughs> well, hello. I said, well, what's the problem? He goes, well, they walk into my business, and he said, they act like they want something for nothing, which is not a good thing. Bible says do good to all people, especially those of the household of faith. Amen. So we shouldn't look for the brother discount. That's just my opinion, by the way. Just throw that in there, okay? He says, don't they get it? I says, no, John, they don't get it. They, and he went on, he said, don't they understand that Al and I, his partner, you know, we worked so many years and it was everything. There were days we couldn't pay the electric bill. And, you know, they, they think this thing just fell out of heaven. I said, John, you got to teach them that. you got to walk that out. You know, that is same in our spiritual life. As God is maturing you, as God is breaking off the new man and bringing that new man to birth, as you're seeing people that their families are healed and they're healthy and they're blessed and they like getting up and, and loving each other in the morning. Listen, there was something that went into that. We have got to grasp the process. We're living in a world that does not understand cause and effect, and we cannot bring that into the church. We've got to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. We've got to endure the hardships that come. We've got to look at the people that inspire us and say, how did you get there and what did you do? Hallelujah. Amen. And, and follow their example. Follow the Lord in those things. You know, when the, the people that we emulate in the scripture, think about it. There is nobody in the Bible. I mean, if you can find them, please send me a, a comment about it. There is nobody in the Bible that we esteem, that we talk about, that we preach about, that did not have extraordinarily interesting circumstances, to say the least. That their life was not a straight line. And often, I'll just throw this in, often it was some of the people in their life. <laughs> I mean, Abraham had Lot. You know, David had Saul. You know, Moses had his in-laws. You know, my, my mother-in-law lived with us the last two years. She went to be with the Lord in December, 93 years old, great godly woman. And I was preaching in her church a few years ago. And it's a larger kind of formal church, you know. And I was preaching, and I, I got on to Moses, and I said, you know, and Moses had to spend 40 years with his in-laws. And she yells back from the audience, it was no picnic for them either. <laughs> uh, that's who I lived with for two years. We had, we had a great relationship. She was, she was quite, quite a crackerjack, to say the least. And she's enjoying the Lord. You know, I've had people say to me, you know, I work with a lot of men. That's really where my heart is at, to raise up a whole other generation leaders uh, in the business community, in their families, and in the church, in fivefold ministry. That's really my passion. That's what drives me. That's where I spend a lot of my investment these days doing. And uh, I, I, I remind them all the time that, 
Uh, and, and they'll ask me, uh, let me, let me back it up a little bit. They'll ask me, well, well Pastor Keith, how did you, how did you get where you got today? I said, well, God intervened. God, God intervened. You know, NRP, this is an interesting story. You know how NRP got, got together? Cause we had this really good strategy and we sat down in a, in a nice hotel and a big, no, that's not how we met brother Rod and I met in a jail cell that we didn't plan on being. We didn't know each other. But the Spirit of God, there was some prophetic men that were calling people together to Atlanta in 1988 to the Democratic National Convention to prophesy to them about the issue of life. And so we showed up to it. We didn't break any laws. They just wanted to shut us up, and they threw us in jail, okay? Now think how stupid the devil is. You shouldn't say the devil is stupid. Listen, the devil got thrown out of heaven, okay? He's cunning, he's mean, he's ruthless, but he got thrown out of heaven. Hello? So he throws a bunch of Holy Ghost men in a jail cell together. And you know what we did? We prayed and we prophesied and we prayed and we made. There are men that all these years later are still, we're like brothers. We were forged in the crucible. And we didn't have an idea to form an organization, but as we went through life together and we kept just sharing and calling on each other, all of a sudden, you know, this thing just began to grow. And there's guys who come on and say, hey, can I be, can I be a part of this? How do I get in on this deal? You know, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Come on, join us in, in what God has called us to do. Now, that's not a plan anybody would make. No one's going to buy that book if I write that book, How to Have a Jail Ministry. Okay, no one's buying that book. And, and, and the crazy part is almost every good thing that has happened that has borne fruit in my life is happened because God intervened, not because I had a great plan. You know, we were real involved in Soviet missions back in the early 80s when it was still the Iron Curtain. And I got arrested in the Soviet Union in 1984. I'm telling you, that was not a picnic. That was a scary time. I don't recommend it. And, you know, uh, but the fruit that came out of that, I could have never produced any other way. Because once things begin to open up, just in a couple years, no one could have written the scripts. No one knew that within three years of that arrest, we would preach to thousands of people. And they would be saved by the acre. They would stand in line to get an appointment, to get, to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, to get baptized in water. And part of that was because I was that guy that got arrested like they did. Are you with me? There was, a, there was an identification, and I came back for more, okay? Again, I wouldn't recommend, and I said, well, here's the plan. Let's go to the Soviet Union. Let's get arrested, okay? I remember our, because we had planned this for a long time, because it was hard to get in, and we had to have documents, and, you know, the whole big backstory here. But we're in Helsinki, Finland, getting on the boat, okay? Because we were going to take a, a ship across the Baltic and go through customs that way because... It was, it was, you would overwhelm customs, and we were sneaking material in, and so that was what our guides told us that was the best way to do it. So we followed the thing, and we're, we're going down the gangplank to this ship, and I look up, and there's this giant hammer and sickle on the smokestack. And I grab Aaron, the guy that's with me, one of the elders from our church, we were five of us on a team, and I grab Aaron, I said, Aaron, this is a Soviet boat. <laughs> he goes, that's because we're going to the Soviet Union. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I thought, this was a great strategy, but my body is involved now. You know, my life is involved. And, and again, if somebody would have told me all the things that were happened, I, I, I don't know that I would have signed up for that. Can I just share this with you? There's no such thing as pre-grace. 
There is no such thing as pre-grace. You experience the grace of God. Grace is God's ability. You experience God's divine power as you act in obedience. Okay? You know, when I stepped on that gangplank, that fear that I had began to... That's when the grace of God came. Okay? I couldn't get the grace of God thinking about it. I got the grace of God when I acted upon it in Jesus' name. And a lot of times I think believers, because they have a romantic view of spirituality, they're waiting for something to happen before they respond in obedience. But I'm telling you, there is opportunity hidden behind your opposition this morning. If I could sit down with you and begin to draw a chart and interview and say, okay, if you've got a heart to win people, if you've got a heart to make an impact, if you've got a heart to make a difference, let's draw a chart. Let's find out where your resistance is coming from. That's where the blessing is. That's where the harvest is at. Jesus had opposition in his ministry. The apostle Paul has opposition in his ministry. And I want to I just walk you through that a little bit if we can, because he talks about two places. He says to the Corinthian church, get your money ready. I'm going to come, but I want to come. I want to hang out with you a while. But right now I got this Ephesus thing going on. And by the way, before I get there, I got to go back to Macedonia, which by the way, is I, I traced the whole thing. It's just about a thousand miles exactly. So, you know, at ancient times, I mean, that was, you know, there was some boat travel involved, there was some land travel. I mean, this is not like, I'll see you next week and I'm going to run down to the airport like I will this afternoon and jump on a plane and, and moan about a two-hour trip, you know what I mean? I mean, the, 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 this was like a, a, a big undertaking. And he says, but there's a great and effectual door, but there are many adversaries. See, in many people's thinking, that doesn't even go together. Here's how I've determined the will of God in my life. This, at this point in my life, what I do is I see where the enemies are stacked up, and I assume the will of God is behind it. Wherever, wherever the devil is resisting you the most, Martin Luther said the Great Reformation, is where the word of God needs to come the most. Okay, So where you see the opposition, that's where you've got to break through. That's where you shouldn't run. But I want to just walk you through what this guy calls an open door. Okay? So, because he doesn't comment on it a lot here. He doesn't say, oh, you know, oh, it was me or anything. So let's go, let's go back to Macedonia. Let's go to Acts 16, all right? In uh, Acts 16, verse 16. And we're going to read about eight verses of scripture there, okay? It happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a slave girl having a spirit of divination met us who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed and turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and it came out of her at that very moment. But when her master saw their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, these men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs which it is not lawful for us to accept or observe, being Romans. And the crowd rose up together and applauded them. No, the, the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off of them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. 
when they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. And having, and he, having received such a command, threw them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. This is the open door the guy's talking about. And he's going back for more. He said, I got to go back there. <laughs> okay. So he understood that opposition to the gospel was not any way showing God's displeasure. You know, you as a believer, when you're pressing in, when you're laying down your life, when you're standing up for truth and righteousness, when you're trying to rescue people from their bondages, when you as a church are taking a prophetic stand and calling evil evil and righteous righteous, there will be opposition to that. Do not be allergic to that. Do not think that that is somehow a sign of God's displeasure. As we sit in this air-conditioned sanctuary this morning, we stand on the backs of people that have suffered much for the message we readily enjoy and we we share fairly easy with little opposition but i'm going to tell you as we're praying for revival for nation and god knows we need revival and we need a reformation it's going to be men and women who understand that opportunity and opposition come packaged together they're going to understand that there are going to be doors of utterance where the enemy is going to stack up and try to silence them the apostle paul when he wrote to the ephesian church he said pray that god gives me a door of utterance the enemy's job the enemy's tactic is simply to silence you to shut you up okay and and that's what we should never agree to and we should never submit to in, in any way. So the Macedonian church is born. The church, the book of, Philipp the, of Philippians is written out of this experience. That's what you've got to understand. It wouldn't have existed. Now I'll tell you a part of the story I really like here. Just jump ahead to verse 40, okay? Now what happens next? What happens after these guys, I mean... They get beaten. Their clothes get ripped. They're, they're chased out of town. All the merchants are upset because the gospel has changed the culture and people don't want to buy their false gods anymore. There's an economic impact, okay, to say the least. So in verse 40, look at this. This is amazing to me. And they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia. And when they saw the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Remember, earlier, Lydia is called a seller of purpose. She was a chief merchant, a businesswoman in that area. Probably had a regional impact, okay? Not just a local, you know, stand. But she risked all that by embracing those people who had been persecuted. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? He was of no reputation. There was no form or comeliness about him that we should desire him, okay? And part of the mission of believers is to embrace those people that have been rejected by society, rejected by culture, because they haven't been rejected by Jesus. Part of the mission of the church is when men and women stand up for righteousness to risk what we have because we don't have anything. See, if you really believe it's all God's, you got nothing to lose. All right? People say, well, what's your church going to do? I said, well, two things. Number one, I don't have a church. Jesus has a church. You have to die to get a church. They're very expensive. Okay, so it's his church. So I don't really have any decisions to make. I just have to obey my leader. Amen? We literally have churches in communities that are being persecuted right now for their stand of faith. And you know what's sad? In many instances, there's nobody else in that community staying with those people. We're covenant. I'm going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you this. They bother you, you're going to see me. 
And I'm not coming alone. Are you with me? I'll just tell you a little story. I don't know if you remember the story. A couple years ago, there was a, uh, the mayor of Houston, who's a professed lesbian, uh, wanted to have a bathroom bill, they call it the bathroom bill, where churches would have to have a separate bathroom in their facilities for people that had sexual confusion, okay? And, uh, of course, the pastor said, we're not going to do this, and they rose up against it, and, and uh, so she tried to intimidate them and subpoenaed uh, minutes from their elders' meetings and from their, even their sermons. She wanted their sermons, and, I mean, it was an act of intimidation, all right? And there was a big lawsuit about all this. Uh, so a, a couple friends of mine said to me, well, why don't we get out and visit the mayor of Houston and defend our brothers a little bit? Now, there's a backstory to this. Because a few years before that, we had been in Houston and uh, got arrested. Can you imagine? They arrested me again. <laughs> I, what was I doing? I was preaching on the street to, in front of an abortion clinic. happened to be an abortion clinic there. Okay? We were preaching on the street, and there was a crowd that gathered. They, were, they referred to it as a mob. There was a crowd that gathered there. And uh, we ended up getting arrested. We went through a mock trial. We had a very uh, pro-abortion judge that sentenced me to six months in jail. No crime. No crime. Just did not obey her order. Okay. Jay Seculo come down. We filed appeal. Rate of habeas corpus. The Texas State Supreme Court sided seven to nothing in our favor. So I got out of jail in five days. That was better than six months. All right. But that had happened a couple years before. So now, now I've got an equity check. Okay. So now we go visit the mayor and say, listen, mayor, here's what's going to happen. And, and, and while I was in jail, 60, and this is what happened, 60 local churches each pitched in $1,000 and took a $60,000 ad in the Houston Chronicle, full page, and said, Judge Eileen O'Neill, we defy your order. They went, those 60 pastors went and preached on the street where I was arrested, videotaped themselves, and went into court and handed it to them and said, here, we're, getting, we're here to get arrested too. <laughs> See, and so... Of course, that went away real quick. They wanted nothing to do with that. Are you with me? So a couple years later, we come back and say, the mayor, remember what happened last time? I'm about to call on my friends again. Everything went away. It dropped. What I'm saying is sometimes you have to face that opposition. I don't have a chip on my shoulder, but if, but if my brothers are being persecuted, I'm going to show up in Jesus' name, especially in this tribe. We're, we're in covenant. It, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to call them. That's how we need to act as a body. Amen? So we got all this going on, and here's Lydia. I mean, she's, she's one of my best heroes of the whole Bible. Here's this woman. Doesn't mention her husband, her family, you know, but here she is. She's like, you know what? You guys get out of jail. You come over to my place. We're, we're going to take care of you. She risked everything. Think about her business. They were, you know, think about today. All we got to do is have somebody say, I'm not baking a cake for you, and the whole world wants to boycott them. Are you with me? But thank God for godly people that know how to stand up, to understand that opposition is not a sign of God's disapproval. Okay? And that that opportunity is being hidden there. Let's jump over to Acts 19. Okay? Because he says, you know, he's in Ephesus, and this is the door, but he said, i got to go back through Macedonia. Personally, unless I was being led by the Lord, I would have never wanted to see Macedonia again. How about you? That would have been enough for me, Lydia or no Lydia. I'd have been on my way. But, you know, when you're led by the Spirit and not by circumstances, God can do great things in your life. See, God is jealous. Can I share this with you? 
God is jealous when circumstances become Lord of our life. When circumstances dictate to us. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. That's your inheritance as a man of God, as a woman of God, that you can be led by the Spirit. That through God's vision and God's leading, though those circumstances are creating a lot of static and a lot of fog in your life, you can see the opportunity. And I submit to you the Word of God. Look at all these different people that we emulate and we talk about. All of them fit that description without exception that I can see. And Jesus, of course, is the Lord of it all. And he said, the servant is not above his master. Amen. And today we sit here blessed, standing on the back of people like this. Hallelujah. You know, I got saved through street preaching. I'd never heard the gospel in my life, never in my whole life. I was part of a gang in a Pittsburgh project, and some people got filled with the Holy Ghost in a church there that was really moving strong, and they came out and preached on the street, and there was a group of us that got saved that are still serving the Lord today, 40-some years later. Now listen, that church, when it was birthed, was persecuted in that town. That was that church that spoke in tongues. Okay, there were men that were the foundation of that church that were still there when I came into the church that had lost their jobs because they spoke in tongues. This was in the 50s. I'm going back. I didn't get saved in the 50s. I'm not that old. I'm, I'm in the 70s. Okay, but I'm talking about they were the foundation of that church. They said that people would literally line up on the sidewalks in that little town and jeer them as they walked into church. They would mark them down. They would throw things at them. Hallelujah. I'm glad they persisted. I'm glad they persisted. Hallelujah. I'm the fruit of that. Amen. Listen, and whether you understand it or not, you are the fruit of people like that. There was somebody in your spiritual lineage that paid a dear price, that took the opposition and said, I'm not going to let that stop me. There's a door of utterance behind that. I am led by the Spirit. I will not be quiet in Jesus' name. Now, let's go to Acts 19, verse 23. I'm going to read about seven verses of scripture. And about that time there occurred no small disturbance concerning the way. Hmm. The way was one of the, the, the names of the church in the early day. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis, was bringing no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen of similar trades and said, Men, you know that the prosperity depends on his, this business. And you are here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia. This Paul has persuaded and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. Come on, that's the gospel, amen? And that's what we're up against. Listen, we're not dealing with political issues. We're dealing with religious issues, okay? False gods, it's idolatry. It's not just immorality. We're past the immorality stage. We're dealing with pure, unadulterated idolatry, the worship of man instead of the worship of God. Not only is there danger that this trade of ours will fall into disrepute, but that the temple of the great goddess Artemis be regarded as worthless, and that she of whom all of Asia and the world worship will even be dethroned from her magnificence. We've got a message that is so powerful, it'll bring down the false gods. Amen? And when they heard this, and they were filled with rage, they began crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! 
Thus the city was filled with confusion, and they rushed with one accord into the theater, dragging out Gaius and Articaius, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Because they had gone, listen, how about these guys? They were in Macedonia, and Paul said, oh, wasn't this fun? Now let's go to Ephesus. And they went along with them. <laughs> you got to watch who you hang out with. Are you with me? That first trip into the Soviet Union, you know, we had all these little clandestine things. You know, it was like it was like a movie. It was it was really interesting. So finally, we get to this meeting we're supposed to preach at, and it's a dug. It's a it's we're under a building that's been dug out by hand. I mean, it's like dirt, but we're under there, and it's all these young people, and they're all excited about Jesus. And I got this translator; he's translating for me. You know, and uh, I'm a little nervous to be honest with you. You know. We are there to find out about people that are in jail. I've got names I'm supposed to check up on, the people that have disappeared. And, you know, oh, by the way, on the ride over there in the little minibus, there were three teenage girls that had already spent a year in jail for teaching Sunday school classes. 18 years old. Yeah, not the people you want to hang out with necessarily if you want to stay out of trouble. So I get in the meeting, and I said to the guy, I said, aren't you afraid? He goes, what are they going to do, kill us? <laughs> Like, okay, not on my plan. This is the people I'm hanging out with here. I'd like to go home alive, frankly. Hallelujah. But you know what? Sometimes you've got to hang out with the right people. Amen? Sometimes you just got to hang out with the right people. Don't be a spectator. Get in there. Get in there where the action is in Jesus' name. So in, in Acts 19, where are we at? And Paul wanted to go into the assembly. The disciples won't let him. He wants one. Look, Paul, you can't do that. They're going to kill you, okay? He wants to go in the assembly. So this is like a replay from Macedonia. Civil unrest. Things are happening. Uh, people are talking bad against them. The crowd is against them. The politicians are against them. The religious establishment is against them. The businessmen are against them. You still want to be part of the church? But it's, what's interesting is the Apostle Paul in writing the Korean church says, there's a great and effectual door open before me. <laughs> there's a lot of adversaries, but there's a lot of opportunities. And what the enemy would like to do is when you're facing personal hardship in your life is to make it all about you. I'm not illegitimizing your pain or any suffering or hardship you're going through. But the best way to come out is lift up your eyes and say, you know, I've got something in me that brings life to people. And despite my own things, however I might be walking with a limp right now, I'm going to press on so somebody's going to stand on my shoulder someday in Jesus' name. Now, part of this verse that I really like here, again, it's like Lydia, go back to 19.7. Go back to verse 7. Where did all this start? Look at this. There were in all about 12 men. He went there for 12 men. There were 12 people. See, I think sometimes, again, we get romantic. we got to have this big crowd. And we got, Jesus did 12 men. Jesus believed so much in his message that he thinking, if I can get 12 men known this, we can change the world, and he has. And God's plan is still the same. Listen to me. There is a great and effectual door set before you. I'm not talking about Pastor Keith. I'm talking about you this morning. And you know what? There's going to be some adversaries, maybe not as intense as this. They don't have to be intense. Sometimes they will be. I believe God would like to train us so that he can throw any opposition 
then or enemy can throw any opposition against us he wants and we can overcome it because we see the prize that's hid behind the door I believe that's the place God wants to bring us to. If we're going to have a breakthrough in this generation, and I believe we are in Jesus' name, it's going to be because people just like me and you, people that have the same flesh hanging on their bones, are going to understand there's no such thing as pre-grace. And when God speaks to me, I'm going to stand up, even if I'm shouted down, in Jesus' name. And out of that, God is going to raise up. Hallelujah. And so we get our biblical heritage out of that. Plan A for the world is the church. And there is no plan B. That's it. We are it. And we have been given such an incredible treasure. These things are not just to be stories. They are to become biography in our life. That we endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And wherever that opposition point in your life is right now, you say, you know what? There's a blessing behind that. That opposition is not going to define me. My obedience to my Lord Jesus Christ is going to define me. Be defined by your obedience, and you will find the grace of God. Amen? We're going to run out the door in a minute here. I want to pray a blessing over you. Can we do that? In Jesus' name. Amen. So, Father, just open up your spirit in Jesus' name. Open up your spirit. God, I pray you stir up things in our heart. God, that things we might drive by and say, oh, isn't that sad or isn't that bad or about that person or that institution, that, God, you would give us discernment, that we'd be led by the Spirit, God. God, that we'd not be intimidated by circumstances or, or we wouldn't allow our own personal resume to be bigger than your resume in our life, God, in Jesus' name. And that, God, by the grace of God, as we put our foot on that gangplank and we make that commitment to obedience, God, we would sense and be filled with your grace, your divine ability to act courageously in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How many glad you came to the house of God today? Anybody? Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of praise. Amen. Pastor Keith, thank you, sir. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. Pastor Keith made a statement at the earlier service this morning. I don't think he said it this time. I want to close with this. He said, the goal is not to be safe. The goal is to be close to Jesus. Because the safest place is to be close to him. Stop living a safe life and start living a close life of obedience to Jesus. Amen? And let's be dangerous to the darkness. Amen? We are an army, amen? We are an army of the living God. We love you guys so much. We love you watching online. And let's rise up and march and let's press through. On the other side of your opposition is an opportunity for the kingdom, amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. You are dismissed.